born in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Hello everyone and welcome. This is Karen Schoen and you are listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And never in my life has the alliance been more important than what we are doing today with our educational system. Folks, I happen to be in the Tallahassee uh, capital yesterday. And first of all, when I got there, there were the Palestinians outside the capital demonstrating and they were yelling free Palestine. And all I could think about was what a shame that all of these kids were spending all of this time demonstrating and shouting about something they didn't even know anything about. Because if they did, they certainly would not be screaming free Palestine and kill the Jews. They would be looking at Hamas, who has been stealing their money, making their leaders incredibly rich, and keeping the citizens down in poverty while spewing hate. That's what their kids are taught in school. We even found that Mein Kampf was translated into Arabic uh, so that they would be able to not only hate the Jews, but also learn to hate the capitalists and anything that involved them getting a better position in life. How sad that is. And this, again, goes right back to what are we teaching our kids in school? If these kids had learned to read and write and had a good civics education, they probably would have gone to a meeting that I went to. I just discovered that the citizens, we the people, have a much broader, much bigger part to play in our government than anyone realizes. There are actually committees that we the people can set up every time legislation is passed. People don't realize that there are rules that follow that that enable our legislators, our citizens, our government to be able to implement what the legislation that was just passed. So in order for something to happen, there has to be a rule to follow it. And the citizens have input in these rules. I went to a meeting that was involved with the election process, and it was a form that was to be filled out for people that pick up um, ballots uh, that would be mail-in ballots. And this form had many errors on it. And the people that were in the meeting and that listened in on the uh, line on the um, call-in line, were able to give input, and their input is going to be incorporated in that form. That's the way citizens get involved. But our citizens have such a poor civics 
education that most of them have no idea that this committee even exists or that they can become involved. Folks, the only people that can scream about the poor government and what the government is doing are those that get involved in, and participate. We have a huge opportunity in Florida, as I am sure in all of the other states as well. But if we don't know about it, we can't do anything about it. And that's where the alliance comes in. And I'm very happy to have Ryan Kennedy with me today because the alliance is working on several very important education bills that are necessary to even explain some of the legislation that was passed last year. As we find holes in our legislation, they have to be redone, reworded, uh, resettled. And this is very important that we, the people, get involved. So, Ryan, thank you so much. And please let our audience know what, you, what your job is with the Alliance. Yes, thank you, uh, Karen, for having me on. My uh, official title is the Program Manager for Education Policy and Advocacy. But what that means is it is my job to both uh, look at potential policy, look at, uh, as you've talked about, some of the rulemaking that happens when it comes to education, um, to implement, to come up with the policy solutions, but then to also go before the legislative body and to advocate. Um, I get uh, another part of my role is to obviously get citizens involved in that aspect as well, just as you were talking about. So I'm very familiar with the things that you've uh, brought up. Um, and, you know, we're right in the, the thick of a, of a session right now. It hasn't started yet, but we are in the committee weeks, which is where all the bills kind of get hashed out and really where the process happens to get a bill to session. Um, this year, we have three great bills that we're really pushing for. I'm happy to share that we are getting traction on all three. We passed the th first hurdle. Um, which is getting them all into bill writing, which that deadline was yesterday for the House and it is Friday for the Senate. And all three of the bills are in bill writing. So that's great. Um, quickly, I'll kind of just tell you what each of those are and then we can kind of go off of that. But the first one is an update, updating the Miller test. And really, in a summary, the Miller test is is allows for content that is sexually explicit if it has literary value to to stay in schools and so when it comes to the to the sexually explicit materials in libraries and schools that we've been talking about for the past uh, three or four years maybe even uh, you know longer in some cases um since 2019 these books largely a lot of them are staying in because they have literary value and this is what the miller test allows and so we have a bill um Thanks to the great work of a partner organization that we work with, Citizens Defending Freedom, we've come up with some legal uh, language, um, some legal background to support updating the Miller test in Florida. And so that's one bill that we really are hopeful about. The other two is an opt-in for uh, sexually explicit materials. So that would include in the library, that would include the sexual um, reproductive health courses, and then also an opt-in for uh, surveys, which is really key when it comes to social emotional learning. 
And then the last is an expansion of the HOPE scholarship um, all to allow for homeschooling. So all these uh, bills are getting traction. Oh, that is wonderful news. I don't think people understand the procedure that a bill has to go through. The first step, as Ryan just said, is bill drafting. Can you explain what that means? Yes. So um, essentially what happens is uh, it's a, a two, two, I guess, starts to a bill happens in the sense of, of either a legislator will come um, and, you know, you'll hear about this all the time, campaign promises, right? They run off a certain thing. And so a lot of times legislators come with these uh, ideals that they're trying to get into law. And so that happens or there's organizations could be like Florida Citizens Alliance, could be other ones, could be even local nonprofit charities that come um, wanting certain things to pass or wanting uh, a bill for funding or things of that nature. So what happens is there are people that work for the state of Florida who, and of course they work at the pleasure of the legislative body. So they're technically the, the, their, their bosses are the, the legislators, um, but they go and write the bills. So you'll, so either in our case, we come with bill language we'd like to see, um, or if it's just a conceptual issue, they'll write a bill. And so the important thing is, is that there's a deadline to get stuff in. And so that's because there's only a 60 day session. So they don't want, you know, like the federal government has hundreds of bills, thousands of bills a year, um, and maybe only 3% of them ever see the light of day. In Florida, thankfully, we have a more refined system in that aspect. Um, and so almost a lot of the bills that get filed eventually will get heard in the committee. Not all of them, obviously, but there's a decent bit of them that do. Um, and so the first step is the bill drafting part of it. Okay. Now, in the bill drafting, what I also learned is that many bills could become combined or can be changed. They can be altered. And that goes then to the bill writing, which is another deadline. And that happens, I believe, in January. The bills have to be written to be presented to the committees. Yes. So there's a final uh, bill drafting, uh, bill writing date. That also uh, coincides with time frame that you need a sponsor for a bill. And a sponsor just means someone who's going to be the primary sponsor on the bill. Um, so it would be one person in the House, one person in the Senate. And keep in mind, with this whole process, you need a bill to move in both the House and the Senate. So if, a, if there's only a bill that gets filed in the House, and you know it doesn't ever go to the um, and it's not being worked on in the Senate, then essentially it's dead. It won't it won't move in the Senate because they have to have that bill drafting portion. Now, um, you brought up the com combination of bills, combining of bills. That's actually probably what's going to happen with one of our bills of uh, this session that we're pushing for is it's going to be lumped into a larger bill. Um, normally, we try to have separate bills. Um, but in this case, the bill and of course, these things are still being worked out. Um, but the bill that we're trying to get this in on is um, is very similar in nature. So we, we think it's a natural fit to try to combine them together. Um, but that does happen. And then also during bill writing, too, um, it's also a bad thing. Sometimes they get watered down. 
through the process. It loses some of its edge, the bill. And that's happened to some of our bills in the past as well, where it gets filed. It's great. It's everything we want. And then maybe by the second or third committee stop, it's it's half of what we wanted. Um, it's just part of, a, part of the system. I mean, that's what happens. So. Well, that that is the way the system works. And unfortunately, we have to work in the framework of the system, whether we like it or not, which is why a civics education is so important. I also learned that um, if you really want your bill to pass, it is in your best interest to make sure that the chair of the committee that the bill is on uh, would be heard by is in the favor of that bill. Otherwise, it doesn't go anyplace. And also, there is a limit to the amount of bills that can be presented by a legislator, isn't there, Ryan? Yes. So first off, I'll take the first part of what you said, which is the committee chairs. Yes, that's imperative. Um, the, there's there's essentially in the state of Florida, um, there's a grouping of maybe 10 on each side that really has say over what bills get heard or don't get heard. Um, one is the speaker or the Senate president, depending on what side it's on. Uh, second, um, the Senate pro temp. Um, has a lot of say over things on the House side. You know, you, you talk about your uh, majority minority leaders um, and then it's the committee chairs for each committee. So you're right. Um, bills get assigned to a committee. That's the next thing that happens after being filed. Um, and then, yes, if the committee chair hypothetically doesn't like your bill um, or doesn't see the importance of it, it's going to keep getting it's going to keep getting pushed off and it won't get heard. And if it doesn't get heard, it's it's not going to get voted on on the floor. So that's that is a huge part of it. Um, the other part of it is that, um, yes, it, it becomes it's it's so important for um, there to be, like you said, a knowledge of the process um, and to know about how the process works, because, um, you know, when we talk about alerting citizens or getting citizens input, um, it becomes very important for people to speak their their voice so that bills can keep going. And yes, there is a limited amount of bills that can uh, be filed by in the house. It's seven um, in the Senate. It's, it's technically unlimited, but it's unlimited in the sense that they don't have a cap, but it's limited in the sense of how many bills are ever going to get heard. Um, you know, it's still roughly the same amount of bills that get heard in the Senate as in the house. They just don't have a cap for as how many bills they can run. Okay. Now, also, the, um, I was told that there is what they call a co-prime, and that is the person that signs on to the bill who is the second. The, so you have a primary uh, sponsor of the bill, and then there is a co-primary sponsor of the bill. Um, and they, uh, as far as I'm concerned, make it as confusing as possible because they may not be looking for our input, but that's why we have to learn so that we can give them our input. And then under that, there are others who can sponsor the bill. They don't have to be in the committee. Is that correct? They can uh, just be a, a representative and say, I like this bill and I will yes. uh, add my name to be a sponsor of it. Yes, correct. Yeah. So. 
that happens all the time. You'll see it, especially on the bigger bills, um, you know, kind of the, the main bills for a session. So last year, HB1, um, there were there were tons of people that co-sponsored it. Um, they weren't the ones in a committee um, presenting the bill. They were just people that said, hey, I like it. Um, you'll also see if you're looking on the website, you'll see that the committee co-sponsors it because every time a bill moves through a committee and it gets voted on favorably, the committee is then endorsing the bill of sorts. And that's so, so you'll see, like I'll say education quality subcommittee next to sponsors. Well, you know, they weren't the ones that came up, you know, maybe came up with the bill or that presented the bill, but because they voted yes on it, their name now gets added to it. So it, it, you know, it does get a little confusing um, in that aspect, but at the same time, again, that's why it's so important that, that citizens know what's going on because a lot of times, you know, there are committee chairs and your representative or Senator might be a committee chair or they might be a vice chair. Um, So it becomes important to know that stuff because you as a citizen have a lot of sway over that. Now, if my representative is not on, for example, the education committee, but he likes an education bill or he has an idea about education, can he offer a bill to the education committee or does he have to be on that committee? Yes. So technically, any um, any representative can sponsor any type of bill. Um, They can file a bill. You know, they can co-sponsor it. They can be the primary sponsor. They don't have to be on education committee. The benefit of that is purely because the committee chair um, is going to obviously know that representative very well because they're on the same committee. Um, But that doesn't mean that it excludes someone from sponsoring a bill that's education related that is an audit committee. Okay. So now all of this is very confusing. Let's unconfuse it. (laughs) And let's pay attention to one of the ways that we, the people, have the ability to find out what's going on because Tallahassee is not an easy place for people in Miami-Dade to get to. So what do you do? Is going to your representative's home office the same as meeting them in the Capitol? Yes. Yes. It, it, it does serve the same purpose. Um, and especially when it comes to right now during committee weeks, um, it's about every other week um, that they're meeting to discuss bills in Tallahassee. Then, so then all the other weeks they're in, they're in their home office. So yes, it's completely, um, that is something that we've done. It's something we encourage people to do is to meet with their local representatives in their home office. Okay. Now let's say that you heard about the bill with the, which is the hope scholarship and uh, that bill was put in bill drafting and it gets a number. What do I do to find out what's going on with that bill? There is a way to track them. And can you explain a little bit about the website and how people can track the bills or their representative and see if they're doing what they say they're going to do? Because remember, folks, we have a lot of people that will say anything to get elected. And then when they get to office, they seem to forget who they are and why they're there. So we want to track them and make sure that they're doing what they say they're going to do. So how would we accomplish that? Yes. So uh, both the House and the Senate have individual websites. You know, the one on the House is My Florida House. Um, the other one is uh, FL Senate. 
and these websites, uh, you can go in there. Um, you can sign on their sign up on their website to for tracking. Um, it's free to do, um, and you could select. Um, you could actually track a bill by bill number, like you said, or you could track uh, a representative or a senator, like you said. And so uh, you could do it by that. You could also track a committee. So maybe you just care about education issues only. And so you can track the appropriate education committees. Um, but that's a tool that, I mean, even I use as a professional in this, in this field. Um, I use the same system as well. And so it, it's there, it's free. The, you know, the state has it set up for a reason. So I encourage everybody to do that. And in another way is of course, um, going to our website and signing up for our, our action alerts, because we also let you know, as a bill's moving through that we care about what's happening. Another thing that you can do in the House, not in the Senate, just in the Florida House, you can attend one of their committee meetings by going to Zoom. So if you go on the tracking site, again, that is myfloridahouse.gov, and you sign up to see what the time a committee is going to be meeting, you can participate by Zoom. And one of the best things to do is to sign up on the Alliance, Florida Citizens Alliance, and that's goflca.org. Sign up on the Alliance, find the bill that you like, and bring that bill to your representative, to your senator, and ask them to sponsor it. They may not, as Ryan just said, they may not be on that particular committee. They may not even know it exists, but it's important to you and you as the citizen as the taxpayer paying their salaries have the right to direct them and to inform them. And one of the things that we discovered that I discovered yesterday is that our legislators, they don't know everything. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? And here they are legislating. So understanding the legislation and then the next step is the rules, because every time they make legislation, every time there's a new piece of legislation offered, every time there's a new bill, there are rules that go along with it. Uh, you, how do you implement the legislation if you don't have a way, which is the rule to implement it? And that's extremely important, um, especially when it comes to things like education, like elections, like taxes, like energy. You want to make sure that the things that are near and dear to you, that you have learned, you have become the expert on, you get to share with your legislator. That's what this is all about. It's not that you're sending somebody to uh, your state capital who is an expert. They may know one thing. Maybe they're on a different committee. They may, you might be totally shocked to think that, oh my goodness, this person knows absolutely nothing about the internet, knows absolutely nothing about an education bill. It's your job. It's our job. That's the way America was set up so that we, the people, would have input. And if we don't do, we can't complain. That's up to us. So usually when people say, Karen, how did we get in this mess? I say, look in the mirror because we have not been doing our job. And our job is not just going to the voting booth and 
clicking and or uh, putting in an X or checking off a number. That's not our job. It doesn't stop there. That's where it starts. So, Ryan, in the next few minutes, can you tell everyone um, a little bit about the Alliance and uh, what people can do to participate in this wonderful government? Yes. Yes. So, um, as uh, you probably already know, as listeners of Karen's sh- uh, show, um, Florida Citizens Alliance, we're all about uh, K for 12 education. We do get involved with issues relating to the family and family values. Um, and so we will um, we will get involved with other bills of that nature um, besides just education. But but our primary role really is trying to solve the issues within the education space um, and to really make our country better through that, um, our state better through that. Um, And so that's primarily what um, we do. And then, yes, as far as getting involved, as I mentioned, the website, our website, goflca.org, you can sign up for our action alerts. And really, the beauty of what we do is we Every time a bill that we strongly support or strongly oppose, so we don't like, if, if there's a bill we don't like, um, goes through a committee, we let you know ahead of time so that you can uh, voice your concern to your uh, state representative or state senator. We have a, a, a script we provide, and then it can be sent directly to their email address so that they see that you're living in you know, Tampa, Florida, and you know, so you, you could tell your state representative in Tampa, hey, uh, I like this bill or I don't like this bill. And that gives the power, again, like I said, to, to the local people in the local area. And that's really what, as Karen said, America is all about. Um, our government. So, Let us also remember that regardless of where you are living, when you talk to your legislator, when you call them, when you voice your opinion, they look at you as representing a hundred people. So the more people that call when you're in favor of something or when you're not in favor of something, the more they know you're paying attention. And that's what we want. We want them to know that we are watching them. And we expect them to live up to their promises. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you for the tough job that you're doing. I know interacting with Tallahassee is not easy and sometimes very frustrating, but I certainly appreciate everything that you are doing and the people should appreciate that as well. Folks, don't go away. We will be right back. You're listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. GoFLCA.org. That's the Alliance website. Get your kids out of those public indoctrination clinics masquerading as public schools. Sign on and find out about our micro schools and see what you can do to help. It is so important that our children learn about America, not about some hate group and what they will do as they learn to hate America. We're in a tough time and it's not going to get easier, but that's what the citizen's goal is. That's our job. We need your help. We need your participation. Most important, don't go away. We'll be right back. 
World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flu, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code out loud, global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You are listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, we just spent the first section of our show talking to Ryan Kennedy from the Alliance, and he was explaining a lot of the inner workings of the way that legislation works. And that is a big problem because too many of us have gone through school, especially the younger people today, and have absolutely no idea of civics and why it is so important that we the people get involved. 
And the other side of this is, well, we know how the legislation works now, but how do the legislators get to office? That's up to us. That's up to we, the people. We are the ones that elect them to sit and make regulations and rules and laws for us on our behalf. But the majority of us never interact with our legislators. So how do they know what we want if we never tell them? That's a big problem, folks. So we wind up with laws that we didn't want because we never told our legislators, don't do that. Well, the election process, as we have come to learn in America, is filled, it is riddled with fraud. And I have joined a group, a wonderful group, fabulous people called Defend Florida. You don't have to be in Florida to join Defend Florida. The beauty of Defend Florida is that the things that we are doing are applicable to any state. And one of the things that I learned after being on a conference call the other day, when people were talking about the election and election fraud and what they can do, they focused on the fact that there we have to have more poll workers. Yes, we do. We have to have more poll watchers. We have to have more poll workers. But that, folks, is after the fact. What do we do in the beginning to make sure that the elections are secure to begin with so that we don't have to take someone to court and say this was an unfair election only to wind up having a judge say you have no standing. So I have asked Raj Dorasami, who is the founder of Defend Florida, to join me today because I spent a wonderful day in Tallahassee lobbying with Defend Florida. And I was very surprised, Raj, to see that many of the new legislators, the younger legislators, were more interested in the election and election fraud than the older legislators. I found that very interesting. Thank you so much for joining me uh, today, Raj. It is always a pleasure to speak with you. Um, the uh, Defend Florida has isolated, I would say, four very important topics of things that people can do in advance. Of course, we found them in Florida. But could you go over them with everyone so that they can look in their state and see what they have found in their state as well? Yes, Karen, thank you for having me on your program. And it is a privilege to be speaking to the good people that are listening to your program. Um, we'll be going over exactly what Karen mentioned. Uh, but as you know, if you've heard me at any time, I'm always interested in what we do. I'm not as interested in talking about the same problem time and time again. I'm interested in talking about it a few times, but then going right into action. I'm also interested because of my background. I'm not a politician. I haven't got any training in this work of working on for our elected for election security election transparency so i'm also interested in learning more about the process so i'm very curious i want to be a student 
And so um, you will have an opportunity here during this radio program if you're interested to learn more about what our organization is doing. But before we get started, I want to ask you, the people that are listening here, to do an action because I told you I'm all about action. And that is take your phone out right now, find five people on your phone list, mark them, and then call them after the program and tell them about Karen Schoen's radio program. Why I'm asking you to do that? Well, that is a very easy action to take. Obviously, you find this valuable. That's why you're listening. But there are people in your life that don't know about this program. And if we can double and then triple and quadruple the people listening to Karen Schoen's program and her guests, then you, my friends, will have played an important part in spreading understanding about how our nation works and more people that understand how our nation works, then you combine that with practical steps on how you, on the side, while you're still working your job, taking care of your family, going to church, going to your clubs, doing your uh, day-to-day life, where you can, how you can carve out a little bit of time and play a part, then we can actually have government for the people, by the people, of the people. And if you believe in government for the people, by the people, of the people, that means what that means is you have to W-O-R-K. W-O-R-K, work, and you got to do on things that serve the country. So let me answer Karen's question. So uh, in Florida, uh, as you know, as from Karen's uh, description, there are a couple of things that we've identified. So the areas that we've identified in Florida where we want to have more transparency, a more fair uh, process, a more reliable process, a process that's, uh, that, that, that works better for all Floridians is in the following areas. Number one, citizenship. In the state of Florida, we do not verify citizenship when you apply to vote on most of the ways that you apply to vote. So just to say that a different way, uh, someone comes into the state of Florida, they fill out the paperwork to register to vote, we, and most of the ways that they do that, you can do that through a third-party organization. You can do that on the website. You can do that to the Department of Motor Vehicle. You can go to the supervisor of elections in your county. Most of the ways, we do not verify citizenship. All we have is a box, and the box says, are you a U.S. citizenship citizen? I click yes, or I mark that yes, and I'm good to go. Does anyone verify that I'm a citizen? Uh, we have open borders. We have people coming into this country that are not legally supposed to be here. I came into this country. I had to apply for a visa. I had to get. I had to be interviewed by the U.S. Embassy in my country. I then got a visa. I came. After ten years, I could apply for a, a U.S. A green card. After ten years, I could apply for citizenship. So, so, so that's the process. Countries do that all the time. But in the United States of America, for some reason, it has been decided that that's a bad idea and you should be able to just be able to walk into the country. So with that in mind, do you want people that, that are not supposed to be here the way I came in, the proper way, do you want them voting for who runs this country? If they don't have an interest in this country, if they don't have an interest in making sure there's no de- deficit, uh, do you want them voting? Well, if the answer is no, then you need to look in your state to see if your state is verifying U.S. citizens. Florida is not on most of the ways that people apply. So that's number one. Number two, voter rolls. Voter rolls. 
What's a voter roll? Uh, one way to look at a voter roll is in your county, you're, you probably live in one of 3,300 counties in the United States. In your county, there's a database. There's a list at your county. If your name is on that list, you can vote in that county. If your name is not on that list, you should not be able to vote in that county. Your state, if your name is on the list in the state, you can vote on the state elections. If your name is not on the list, you cannot vote in the state elections. Good system, right? Of course. Of course it's a good system. Why is that? Why do we need to do that? Well, do you want someone to be able to cast a vote in Maryland and in Florida? If they live in Maryland, do you want them deciding what the tax rate is in your state? If they, the, 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 the tax rate in your, um, in your county, if they don't live in your county, do you want them deciding who's your uh, sheriff? So, so yes, you want to make sure that only people that are supposed to be voting in your county are able to vote. And that database, that list is a key. If that list, that database in your county is not accurate, well, two things can happen. One, someone who's supposed to be able to vote is denied the opportunity to vote. The other thing can happen is someone who's not supposed to be able to vote, if their name is on that list, they can vote. So basic, basic housekeeping, basic housekeeping, you want to have an accurate voter roll. Our voter rolls have improved substantially. Uh, Governor DeSantis did some massive improvements on our election process in the past. That has been an improvement. And yet we still, even today, continue to find massive problems in some counties with the voter roll. It's not accurate. You got to check that in your location. I'm going to talk to you about how you do that. Right now, I'm just explaining the problem statement. We're in the the part of the interview here with Karen, where we're defining the problem statement, then we talk about uh, the solution. Next thing, in Florida, problem in your state as well, there was always, has always been, and should always be provision for qualified voters, that's U.S. citizens, members of your, residents of your state, who are not in your state to be able to vote. What are you talking about? Well, you probably have men and women that are serving in the armed forces overseas. You probably have people that are too elderly, their medical conditions, they cannot leave their home or their assisted living to go to the voting precinct to vote. There are a number of legitimate reasons why people are able to vote by mail. Also, always has been the case. What happened in COVID, however, during COVID, is people across the country who were not authorized to make decisions, made decisions, that changed the voting process in your count in your state. That same thing happened here in Florida. So without legislative process, decisions were made, sometimes by judges, which were not qualified or authorized to make these kinds of decisions. Decisions made, hey, anyone can vote by mail. All right. So that happened during COVID. There's mass confusion during COVID, et cetera, et cetera. It's a difficult time for a lot of the people, a lot of people on the planet. But it's now 2023, and that practice that I just mentioned of anyone can vote by mail has now not only been extended, but it's now being marketed. So now, on top of all the issues I just mentioned, someone can cast a vote, and the processes required to make sure, hey, is this person actually even alive? Hey, is this person authorized to vote in this country? Hey, is this person authorized to vote in this state? 
those workflows, those checks and balances, those those procedures to verify all of that have not been updated to the level that they need to be updated. And so you got a you got a a, a mess at the county level when it comes to voting by mail. What do I mean by that? Well, your county election, your county clerk to supervise elections have not received additional funding to do the massive amount of additional work to deal with vote by mail. Vote by mail is a difficult, time-consuming process, number one. Number two, it requires more checks and balances to make sure those ballots are uh, legitimate uh, and authenticated, and those processes haven't happened. So there's a huge, there is a practice now of abusing vote by mail. And the last thing I'll mention, boy, I'm man, you, you know what, Karen, I'm just going to stop there because uh, I want to hand it back to you because I could keep going. Let me hand it back to you. I just realized what the, the time is just flying here. Um, well, the last thing I think is also very, very important, and that is the technology. Um, unbeknownst to the people of Florida, when one of the bills in 2021 was written, and that was 101.5604, um, they slid in a very interesting last sentence, which said that we must use electronic equipment to count the votes. And we all know that there are major problems with our electronic equipment. And later on in another show, I'd like to talk to you, Raj, because you come from a technical background and we're having a lot of problems with our internet, especially recently. But when I was a poll worker, I discovered that even though I asked my SOE, Supervisor of Elections, if any of our equipment was connected to the internet, I was told emphatically no. And I walk in and I am the EVID operator. And in order for me to, to verify signatures, which is what that was, I had to connect to a MiFi. I asked what a MiFi was, and lo and behold, that was a wireless internet. Well, unfortunately, we know today how hackable that is. And we get messages all the time, this bank was hacked, that database was hacked, this union was hacked. Well, what's to think that our electronic equipment is not hacked? also. So we have these four items that are glaring in the state of Florida. Okay, now we've isolated them, Raj. You're a to-do person. Uh, what do yeah, we do? Let, let, since you brought the technology piece, I want to add something. So a lot of people I know throughout the country are, are working on the, on the problem, the technology problem that Karen mentioned. Uh, and uh, it's excruciatingly difficult because we have not been involved in this process a few handful of companies have established a monopoly in the United States, uh, and they've convinced your state and my state to sign contracts with these companies that are not transparent, uh, that don't have sufficient checks and balances. I'll say it this way. If the contract that your technology vendor for your, your voting process, if that contract was presented to a bank, it would be thrown out. If it was presented to someone who handles anything in fiduciary, uh, who has to submit to generally accepted accounting principles, 
if they were uh, handling anything related to the Department of Defense, it would be thrown out. Why? Why? Because these contracts are so outdated. What I mean by that is today in America, in banking, fiduciary uh, areas, uh, insurance uh, industry, um, uh, uh, treasury, uh, uh, um, defense, in all, all of those areas today, 2023, the vendor is required to provide continual reporting that puts in writing that their updates have been vetted for uh, security, that the technology complies with independently written standards, and I can go on and on and on and on. So those practices that are presently employed in other industries are not being employed in the election eco ecosystem, the election space. So, so, so there's a con there's a combination of, of 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 things going on. And the last thing I want to mention is this: Karen's talking about um, you know pieces of equipment connected to the internet and so on. In the election in the election space, there are variety of pieces of equipment. There's a piece of equipment that's supposed is is designed to verify signature. There's another uh, comp that's handled by a private company, uh, and I'm going to mentioned something about these private companies. There's a, there's a part of the election space that is involved in printing the ballots. That's handled by a private company. There's, 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 there's another uh, uh, part of the election system that's involved in maintaining those voter rolls, another private company. These private companies, the ones I just mentioned, I'm not talking about the companies that provide your tabulators, the scanners. I'm talking about these other systems. Those companies... Uh, are not required to submit to any kind of government oversight. Uh, uh, they're not required to submit to any of the best practices I mentioned earlier from the other industries. So you have a monopoly that is run instead of your state running and determining the terms of those processes, the private companies are dictating terms to the client. They're not dictating terms of the customer. So the private companies provide the technology. Your state and your county are the customers. In the election enterprise, the vendors are, are dictating the terms to the customer. Everywhere else in the country, the customer dictates terms to the vendor. So I hope you, you see, I hope I explained that well. So let's fast forward. All right, there's so much stuff there. Let's get into action, like Karen just mentioned. Now, the first thing that I urge you to, to do is, if you're listening to this, you obviously care about these topics. This is now our third year. I wanna share a framework that you can use in your area, no matter where you are listening to this. And the framework is, is really inspired by uh, a, one of the leaders in our country. His name is General Michael Flynn. He is a brilliant strategist. He handled uh, military operations for the United States government uh, at high levels uh, uh, in many of the theaters of conflict. And as a result of his training and, and his strategy that has been effective in that world, he has, he has described the phenomenon called local action is a pathway to national impact. So let's break that down. You heard all these issues that I just mentioned. What we are doing at Defend Florida is we are focusing at the hyper-local level. So you hear these problems, do not start in your state capital. 
Do not start with your state legislators. Do not start with your governor. You have to start in your local area. So in Florida, what that means is we have been this entire summer urging volunteers to have professional, well-prepared, well-thought-out, well-organized meetings with their local officials. We're going to maybe more reasons for, for why we, how, how that happens. But when you create a relationship at your local level, which is something you can do as a part-time volunteer, you are now creating a beachhead upon which you have the credibility, the information, the experience, and the knowledge about how things are done at a local level to then have a conversation at a regional level and then at a state level. Those of us who have in the past tried to go to the state without doing this initial prep work have been, for the most part, unsuccessful. Let me share with you a little bit of what that looks like. Over 45 legislators in our state have had a meeting in the manner I just described. We asked the people in Florida who were part of our conversation to listen, to watch some short training videos on how to prepare, how to call, the official, what to leave on the voice message when you do that, when you have to do that, how to speak with the gatekeeper, the person who answers the phone, how to prepare for the meeting when you get the appointment, what to take with you. It's a one-page document. What to leave behind, how to structure the meeting. All of this stuff, none of this stuff is random and spontaneous and organic. It's all pre-planned, just like you would do if you're playing a football game and you had a playbook that you were relying on to win the game. A football game is not really spontaneous and happenstance and shoot from the hip. They have a playbook that they go from. So that's a key thing. Now, if you want to know how to do that in your location, go to defendflorida.org. Right on the homepage, it's right there. You'll see the uh, the, the, the the areas of uh, problem areas that I just mentioned. Importantly, you'll also see training videos, very short, that you can watch on how you too can Take these practices into your area. Maybe you're not watching this because you care about elections. Maybe you are more interested in sanctity of life or border or what have you. Whatever issue it is, if you have not so, so far changed the operations in your county and state, then please consider changing your tactics so that you can get a better outcome. Insanity is the process of doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Quickly change, quickly adopt. You can see some of those things at defendflorida.org. There's a bunch of other stuff. I want to be sensitive to time. Karen, maybe you can kind of tell me where we want to take the conversation next. Oh, I think uh, this is fantastic. And the most important thing that our, my audience, and uh, you've got to get involved. There is no way anymore to sit on the sidelines and hope that somebody else is going to do it for you. There isn't going to be anybody else. You are the ones, we are the ones, if we are going to save our country, and boy, it does need saving, especially after uh, what is going on in our Congress. We need to work inside. We need to work locally. We need to get our county commissioners to know who we are. When you walk in the room, they should be able to say, hello, Karen, how are you? They should know you and they should know that you. what you tell them is researched, is truthful, 
and is done in a very professional manner. So Raj, I can't thank you enough. Unfortunately, we are going to run out of time any minute. And the most important thing that I would like everyone to take away from this conversation is to join Defend Florida and make a Defend New York, make a Defend New Jersey, make a Defend your state and start locally and work from within. Any last parting words that you have for our audience, Raj? Yeah, yeah, thank you. So so one of the things I hear often is how volunteers are just distressed and dismayed and discouraged. Hey, Raj, I contacted my local official. They didn't call me back. And I want to thank you for doing what you're doing. I think Defend Florida is a wonderful group. Unfortunately, we are at the end of the show. So your homework this week, everyone, is Tuesday. Make sure you get on the Defend Florida call. And action, action, action is the only thing that is going to win. You can't win by sitting on the couch. It doesn't work. You've been listening to Karen Schoen. This is the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida the Citizens Alliance. Thank you all for listening and see you again next week. Yes, America, yeah.